I worked for free in a physical therapy clinic running Facebook ads for them. Started having some success with it, thinking actually that I was going to work there in that clinic. Like I was there building a patient base so that I could work into a position there. And then realized that, oh, actually I like getting the patients and like attracting the patients online more than treating the patients. So why don't I just go all in and help people get patients, AKA teach them marketing. And that's how the Facebook group started. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty. Thank you so much for listening. If you are listening on iTunes, make sure to... Well, actually, if you're listening anywhere, make sure to hit that subscribe button. But we also have the YouTube channel, which is probably out by now. Maybe not. I don't know. If you're watching on YouTube when this video comes out, make sure to hit that subscribe button there as well. Um, it's an interview day. And just like always, we have amazing people that we've brought on here. But I, this particular guest, I got to bring some context around this because um, this could quite could potentially be one of the, my most exciting interviews ever that like I was excited for. Um, and is someone that I have a lot of experience and like kind of or background in history with. Um, our next guest I met, gosh, I don't even know what, when I was, I officially, I mean, I know I met you in real life, like long time after we knew each other, but I first heard of him. He was in my Facebook group. We became friends. Um, we had a, a strategy session call together when he was first getting into the online space. He has been a loyal fan, a loyal customer, um, a loyal friend, and just an amazing human being and someone that is just an, an awesome human being. And his story of being just a normal person and going out there and having success online is one that I think that everyone on here can really relate to. You don't have to be a superhero rock star to go in onto this, but he is a superhero rock star. At least he turned into one. So I, 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 have, to, uh, I have to give him credit where credit is due. Without further ado, let me bring on the man, the myth, the, ele- uh, the legend, the incredible Mr. Dr. Alex Engar. Welcome to Thank the Different Theory, man. Thank you. What Josh has just told you is that if I can do it, absolutely anyone can do it. <laughs> that's basically what I, that's basically, basically what I like, let, Let's just boil it down to that. Let's boil it down to that. And let's just say like, cause like, here's the thing, dude. I, the one thing that I really appreciate about like what you do and what you've done is like, you're a really just real human being and you don't like, you don't try to not be that. Like you don't try to be someone that you're not. You're like, Hey, I, I mean, you built a six figure business from your kid's bedroom. That's pretty awesome, you know? And like, I didn't even have the garage, like the garage space wasn't even available. We had, we had to hijack the kid's bedroom. Right. Like, like so many people want this, this cool story or to become this person or to think that they've got this office or, you know, and everything and they fake it. And I was one of those guys, man. Like I tried to fake it hard where I worked. I was like, whenever I'd post pictures of the office, it'd be at like the library and it looked really cool. And I wouldn't really call it my office, but I would say my office for the day. You're just like, I'm in my kid's bedroom. Let's go. And I absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, man. 
How Dude, you been, man? I'm fan freaking tastic. I was just thinking back to like how we actually got connected. I remember you, Josh, when you were doing live streams with these curtains behind you, like before before you were even in like library status, man. When you were yeah. in like living room status. Yeah. When I was broke. Had like a measly three million followers or something. Couple million, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing these guys and I, I remember it's like who are these kids? They're so young. I honestly thought you were kind of a punk at first. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I was like, wait a second. Who is this kid like showing up, uh, trying to like flex that he has all these followers. But I, I dude, I was, I'm trying to think if I was still in school. I was still most definitely in PT school. Oh man, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was just about to finish up the doctorate and I was like, oh, okay, wait, this guy actually knows something. Maybe I should follow him. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. I tell you what. I, I had such an ego back then, man. I was so <laughs> cocky. What was I like back then? You know what? You were, I think you were 23 when I met you. Maybe probably. 22. Yeah, it was probably, it, it had to be right around that time. 20, yeah. Around my 23rd birthday. Yeah, probably. I just remember that you were always a good marketer. You got results for people and you showed them and you were never afraid of that, yeah. which I I respect the fact that Josh comes in guns blazing. Like, dude, I don't care how old I am. I can do this. Yeah. I'm really freaking good at it. So let me show you how to do it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I, I can totally jive with this. And so I had you on my podcast, man. That was the very first time we- Oh, that's met. right. That's right. That was when we could, oh my gosh. I got to tell you, okay. I have to tell you about this. I don't think I've ever told you this. So at the time of me recording your podcast- Yeah. I lived with a friend. Oh, yeah. I lived on my friend's couch at the time, actually. So like, it was this weird thing because we were getting crazy results, but I wasn't making any money because at the beginning, I just knew how to grow. I just knew how to grow on Instagram. I didn't know how to make any money at the time. And to my credit, I wasn't teaching people how to make money, right? Like at the beginning, I was just saying like, here's how to get followers and we know how to do it, right? right. Um, but I remember... That day was, I had two podcast interviews that day. Yours was the second one. It was later at night. Mm -hmm. And so that, that morning, or I don't know, it was like maybe one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I had my first uh, podcast interview with this uh, younger kids. In fact, you actually know one of them. Um, Saba, uh, was it Saba? Yeah, it was Saba. Yeah. So you know Saba. So oh, yeah. we did it and I was staying in this house and there was like, a lot of people staying in the house, like way too many for, I mean, like, oh, or like, I don't know what regular. Yeah. Like they would have freaked, right? The way too many people would sleep on the couch, but like, it was so loud in there. I had to go out and they had this little shed out in the back. And so I had to run an extension cord out there because that was the only quiet place. And so I'm out there. I have that my like halfway through the interview, they unplug the extension cord. Right. So like, I'm freaking out. I get done. There's like 3% on my battery of my battery left. And so then it comes time to do your interview. This is like, I don't know, maybe probably like six hours later or something like that or whatever it was. And so I literally have to kick everybody out of the house. I'm like, get out, like leave. And so it was one of the few times that I was just being so demanding because I was like, felt so cool that I was being asked on these podcast interviews, right? Um, and so we go and I actually have it. And I was sitting in the, the, the front of the house in this like creaky old like wood floor thing or whatever. But I literally had to kick everybody out of the house to have that interview with you. And I'll, I'll never forget that night because we talked for quite a bit afterwards. I feel like we talked for like 20, 30 minutes after the fact with Will. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was Man, funny. It was, it was nuts back in the day, Josh. And look at you now. And then I look at like what you've done for me since. There's a reason, guys, when you find someone that gets you results, like you stick with them, okay? Every time I feel like Josh puts something out, I, 
I don't like, I, I'm pretty sure I can just give you my credit card at this point and I'll Ooh. just buy it. I mean, re- like, really, come on, come on now. Josh's stuff is really solid stuff. So I appreciate that. No, no, it's, it's true though. Like, I, I'm at the point where I'm at. I, should, we, should we give some backstory? Yeah. Context for this whole thing? Yeah. Well, I think the first time I actually spoke to you in relation to business, like me helping you, was it was funny because I was in Omaha at the time, but I hadn't moved here yet. And I was at my friend's house here in Omaha um, that I knew is like the only person that I knew in Omaha at the time. And I was almost there. Like I was coming back from Walmart and I had just talked to, I think I just talked to Rachel Peterson actually. And then I got off with her and then I had the call with you. That was the first call. And it was like, I don't know, probably an hour, hour and 15 minute call maybe. Yeah. And that was when we talked about Facebook groups. Yeah, man. I remember the day very clearly. I had just done a live stream in a Facebook group. Uh, I can't even remember what it was about. I'd have to go look at it. You were on that live stream. And right as we got off the live stream, you gave me a call. You're like, dude, that was, that was a good life. We're talking about podcasting, actually. I was talking about like how to, how to podcast onto Facebook. And I remember you give me a call and you're like, dude, you, you should have like a Facebook group about this stuff. You should start one. And I had a podcast or sorry, a Facebook group for my podcast that wasn't doing so hot, but you told me how to do it right. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, this makes total sense. Here's the five steps with how to do it. Literally called up Will, who's now my business partner and said, dude, this, this kid, Josh Forty, just told me how to build a Facebook group. Let's do it. And I had no clue where that would lead us, but it created an entire business for us from that one call that we had. That's amazing. That's, that's so exciting. You went on to do so much with that too. It's still the, the very core of our business, man. And the cool thing is, I'm not like you. I don't have a niche where there's not like 30,000 people on Facebook in my niche. I don't think. Maybe there are. We have 2,500 people in a group. Like and my, you've done how much revenue from that? Uh, I know we crossed 300K uh, about a month or two ago in like, I don't know, a year and a half or so of actually being in business. We're, we're, we're approaching the two-year mark. All right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how much revenue? 300,000 off of 2,500 members. For anyone that says that you need a large audience or a large following in order to make money online, let this be a lesson. How'd you do it, man? Did you like wave your magic wand? You have like a money printer in the back? Oh, you know, you know, we're just sitting back here laundering it all. No way. (laughs) We just take really good care of people. Yeah. When it comes down to it, we take really, really good care of people. We do a lot of things that sometimes people tell us not to do. We, I will admit, we do some things that Josh tells us not to do, and then it comes back to bite us later. But we've done a lot of unscalable stuff so far, like getting on one-on-one calls with people. But it, that pays off really well at the beginning, though. You know what I mean? It does. At, like, here's what happens, right? Correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like this is what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs. And it happened to... I've had, watched it happen to countless people, including myself, just in certain areas is like we get started in something and we start seeing some traction. And then there's this thing where we think, oh man, this is a great idea. And we look at it, and sorry, my cord's caught here. There we go. Um, we look at it, we go, okay, this is a great idea. It's definitely not scalable, but it's a great idea. And so you, we, we try it and it works really well. And if we would try it one time, or in the case of like maybe getting on one-on-one calls with someone or whatever, you do it one time or 15 times, right? Like just that, that little area for a week or for a month, get the results that you need from it and then put it to the curb and move on to the next thing. It would be great. But we, for some reason, don't stop it just the one time. And we tend to like do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then 
it kind of makes it to where we go our, like we back ourselves into this wall where that becomes the thing that's making us all this money, but we can never get out of it because it's consuming all of our time. 100%. It's, it's the principle of a beta test that needs to be a beta test. Yes. Right? And that, that's the whole idea, I think, of oh, really what I've learned. Because I, I come from a medical background. Okay, for those who, who caught it, he called me doctor because I am actually a doctor. I have a doctorate of physical therapy. I haven't treated real patients as a licensed practitioner. But what I have done... So he's a scam artist. <laughs> I got the title, man. And I kept it. I actually had to decide if I was going to renew it or not uh, a few months ago. And I was like, of course I'm going to renew what it. What does it take to renew it? 40 hours of online education. Oh, it's the, like the conti- continu- continuing education or something like that. Head, yeah, I had to do that for um, my insurance, my health and life insurance. It's one of the few things that I regret. My boss told me when I quit, she's like, Josh, if there's one thing that you do, make sure that you do your continuing education for your life and health insurance. That way, if you ever wanted to sell it in the future, then you could. And I was like, I'm never going to sell life and health insurance again. So I let it expire. And now I'm really mad that I did, but oh well. <laughs> Yeah, so I have the world's greatest backup job, probably. I could go get like a... Which I think has actually really helped with growing a business, right? There's always this fallback of, okay, if it totally doesn't work, I'd be all right. But at the same time, uh, I feel like I've learned that you just need to test things out. Like I don't come from a marketing background at all. And so I'm teaching marketing to people. (laughs) That's what I do. And so a lot of it has been, I have to test it, figure it out. But you always have to move out of the test. And that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that you have this thing to fall back on because for some people, that's a beautiful thing. And for other people, that's their kryptonite that will never allow them to be successful. It's a beautiful thing for my wife. Yeah. And, and let me just talk about that for a minute. Yeah. I have a family. I've got two girls. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. By the way, dude, my five-year-old started school today. She's a kindergartner. Mm, it was amazing. A proud dad moment? Proud dad moment for sure, man. Pictures okay. all over the place. But amazing. I, it's... That, that fallback is a really interesting thing because you think about what that could do to an individual who's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I, I, don't have to, like, I don't have to bust my butt. But for me, that's like going to prison. Like, I'll be very honest. I, that fallback for me is like a death sentence. Yeah. For me personally, it's like, well, it's there, right? And it keeps everyone cool and like, we're good, but there's no way I'm going back. There's nowhere. It, it is a, for you, it's that safety net of like, okay, that keeps the wife happy and she has some sense of security knowing that if something fails, you have something to do. Exactly. How much, how much does your wife, cause so a little context, I'm in a relationship. We're getting pretty serious. Uh, year and let's see, it was May eight or June, July year and three months. Right. And we're getting ready to do a world trip together, which is a pretty big deal. Right. So I've noticed how the more serious we get, the more say she has over, what I get to do and not do, and vice versa, right? I'm not trying to, to bash that in any way. But it's interesting to me, if I would have started my entrepreneurship journey in a relationship versus out of a relationship, whoa. I started my entrepreneurship journey out of a relationship. I worked 20 hours a week, I'm mean, 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I am the definition of someone that filled their way to success almost. Like, I had no backup plan. There was no plan B. And it was this like back against the wall moment of looking back now, if you're like, Josh, snap your fingers, like right now, in order for you to move forward, you have to go back through that. I don't know if I could do it. Like it was like this delusional optimism of of getting it done. How does having a family affect 
your entrepreneurship life? It makes you have to streamline absolutely everything that you do Mm. because there is not room to screw around. There's just physically not time. Like I don't have time for things to not work. And and that's really hard early on. Like that's very, very hard early on because that first growth period where you're not making lots of money online, you're learning the skills, you have to find ways to make it work. And so I I just feel like I can't hustle, dude. Like four or five o'clock comes, I'm off. Like I, I have to be. And do, do, are you, you do work a normal work day then in your life? Like you don't have a job, you work right. from home. Right. And so you are working a normal work day from roughly eight to five. Or yeah, nine man, to five. I, I've, I've settled into a schedule where it's very much almost like a nine to four, four thirty type of schedule, like four days a week. Like I'm not, I'm not busting my butt. Now, am I working really hard during that time? Yes. And am I always thinking about business? Yes. And that's actually like, that's the hardest thing is turning off. Yeah. But if you don't turn off, you lose everything that you're actually fighting for. And what you're, what you're ending up doing during the workday just makes no difference. Like, dude, if, if I didn't learn to turn off, I don't know that I would have a family to be working for. Yeah. Like, yeah. honest truth, right? So there's this balance and it's, I think, almost like a governor effect of, are you hustling too hard? Well, I have that, right? Four or five o'clock comes, it's like, oh, shoot. Uh, am I doing this right? When I'm overworking myself, she's the first one to notice. She's the first one to say, "Hey, what's what's going on? This isn't gonna, like this can't keep working like this." So it forces you to self-check a lot. Are there phases where you work more? Of course, like launches, dude. You know yeah, that like, launches, launches like you do, big. but you do take that time, right? Like you do go and say, "Hey, it's launch mode." You have to, but you also have to set clear expectations, and that's the thing. Is if I don't do it. then it's hard. Like pre and post conferences are always more work, right? Like you come back from a conference, you've been hustling, you get new clients or you have new ideas. And it's like, boom, I'm ready to grind. Let's go. Let's go. And family's like, awesome. You're finally home. Let's spend time together. And that balance is really hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That being said though, there's one thing that I've learned and I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. So you've made, it's been like two years, Yeah. right? Since you started, you've done like 300,000, which once again, big round of applause. Congratulations. We're kind of going back to that point here in just a second, but um, you know a lot more than when you started. And so like, if you had to start over, you would do some things the same and you would do a lot of things differently. Right. And, but like, you know, in your life, what things ultimately drive revenue. Like if your back was up against the wall, you know, you where you would focus your time and energy. Right. And so one of the things that I've uh, noticed or that I've learned, um, you know, my brother passed away and, you know, fast, fast forward to now during those, you know, five months or so, four or five months that it's been in that time frame, my values have realigned and um, have become much less of a entrepreneur and much more of a truth seeker slash want to be successful in all areas of life, aka this podcast, right? But, you know, I was watching a video by Ty Lopez, who I love Ty Lopez. I don't like his lifestyle, but I love, he's brilliant. So brilliant. But he's like, why would you optimize to be an entrepreneur? Like, you don't want to be an entrepreneur. He's like, if you optimize to be an entrepreneur, you're literally optimizing to work for the rest of your life for somebody else. Like, uh, yes, you have the freedom, but you're a slave to your customer then essentially at that point. And that's fine. But he's like, you don't optimize for that. You use entrepreneurship as a vehicle in your whole like tool chest, right? Like it's, it's a tool in there to ultimately achieve whatever it is that you want. Now, there are a select few people 
And there are people out there that are just through and through entrepreneurs. And I would say like Gary Vaynerchuk is one of those people, right? Like just like they live and breathe business. And that is it. And that actually is what makes them happy. They want nothing else. Work is what fulfills them. And there, it's a very small percentage of people. And up until Kyle's death, I thought I was that person. And I truly believe that I was that person. I was happy when I was working. I really, truly was. But then what I wasn't realizing was what I was losing out on and missing out on for working or because of working all the time. I didn't have relationships with family. I had hardly any relationships with friends, things of that nature. And my life shifted when my identity shifted, which when my priority shifted to say, what is it that I actually want out of life? Because I can go and build whatever it is ultimately that I want to build, right? And, and I understand that. But like in my head, what I wanted to build was this entrepreneurial business, right? I was like, for the next 25 years of my life, I want to build an entrepreneurial business. And then I w- woke up one day and I was like, no, actually, that's not at all what I want to do because I want to have a wife. I want to have kids eventually. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to like serve people. I want to be able to, to just not have to be like, I want to be able to go serve clients for free if I want to serve clients for free every now and then, if I find someone that I truly believe in, right? And so you can't do that when you're in laser, laser focused business mode 24 7, seven days a week. You can't be Sam Ovens and do that, right? Yeah. And so my question to you is, is what are you trying to build? And how has, entre- how has what you've learned through entrepreneurship shifted where you focus your time? You know, I think for me, as you're saying that, I got out of medical school because I didn't want to be working 80 hours a week, right? Like I was, I was literally, I, was, I took the MCAT. I was ready to apply for med school, did all my physician shadowing. And I remember sitting there with a friend who was in med school. We had just found out we were going to have our first child. Like literally probably that week figured out that we were, found out that we were pregnant. But the, my wife was pregnant, man, I, I can't. Like, okay, found out that my wife was pregnant. Got to give her all the credit. And realized, he said, you know, if you want to work 80 hours, if you don't want to work 80 hours a week for like the next 10 years to become a doctor, then like you should maybe really get a reality check as to why you're wanting to do this. So I was like, oh my God. Can I, can, I, can I pause you real quick? Yes, please. Let's back up even further. Yeah. Why did you originally want to go to med school? Man, I wanted the notoriety of feeling like I had done something important. And I literally remember telling myself, I'm going to be 30 someday anyway. Why not be 30 and a doctor? And so it wasn't money. It couldn't have been money because I knew that I knew that physicians would make a lot of money, but I had entrepreneurial seeds in me from the very beginning. Dude, I was seven years old and I had my first business. Okay. Okay. But it was important. It was feeling like what I was doing was important. And was that to myself or other people? Yeah, probably honestly to other people. Perfect. So now you're at this point where he tells you this. Right. And so he says, well, dude, unless you really want to dedicate next 10 years of your life at 80 hours a week to that, maybe you should rethink why you want to do it. And I thought, heck no, are you kidding me? Like, I want to be with my family. I don't love work. I actually really don't love work. I don't. I love creating things that I enjoy doing. Heck yes. But I realized then that I needed to take a step back and go the more lifestyle route within healthcare, right? So I literally Googled what healthcare providers have the best lifestyle. Physical therapists come up to the top. Guess what? The next morning, 
I decided to become a physical therapist. Like literally, it was a, like a 15-minute decision because I knew, look, what can I leverage that I've already done? I already had all my prereqs. I was less than a year away from graduating. I said, what, what am I going to be able to do that uses everything that I've already done but takes me down a path where I know that I'm going to be happier with my life? So then I tell my wife, she comes home. I tell her, guess what? We're not going to med school. We're going to become physical therapists, right? She's a nurse too. So it's like, it was a big yeah. deal that I was still staying in, in healthcare. And then a year into PT school, I just knew again, it's like, mm, this doesn't feel right still. And dude, I don't know what it was because it's not a lifestyle thing. And I promise this will get back to, to that initial question that you asked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got but you got, you got something you want to say too. So that's okay. If you, and if you, have a kid, you have a kid at this point? I have a kid at this point, right? So I'm a year into a doctorate program with a kid. And you have debt at this point? Uh, no, actually. Okay, we so you don't have, have debt. No. Now, we, we were paying out the wazoo for school, but we were in a position where like, a lot of money was going into this. And I knew a year into it that I was not going to be a full-time clinician. In fact, ah. I felt different from everyone else. So many people, though, reach the point where you're at right there and they're like, this doesn't feel right and they never make a change. Like they reach a point and they're like, I'm this far in, I, I've got to finish. Or I'm this far in, I guess this is my life now. Because it's super scary the older you get, right? Like it's harder to make change. It is harder. It is more scary for me right now to get up and go travel around the world for four months than it is, was for me to open up a map close my eyes, point to a random place in the country and somehow end up in Omaha, Nebraska at 23 years old or 22 yeah. years old, right? So like you're 20, what, how old were you at this point? 22? Uh, I was like 26, 27. 26, 27. Oh, yeah. So like you're older than I am now and you're deciding like, I've got a kid and I'm going to completely make a career change. Yeah. Isn't that but nice? I, but here's the thing. I didn't completely make the career change, man. Okay, okay. I sat on that feeling. Okay. I knew, I don't know if you've ever felt this, where like you're in a group setting where everyone is doing the thing and you're doing the thing, but you feel nothing like anyone else that's in there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's I what I was feeling. Like I was a physical therapist. I was in PT school, but I did not feel like I wanted to necessarily become a physical therapist. But I knew, it's like, look, I've made it this far. I, I can do anything for two years. And maybe I'll find something that will be fulfilling. I thought I would be a pediatric physical therapist. But then what I started realizing is, hey, guess what? There's other ways to earn an income. That's when I found Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income Podcast. Oh, okay. He was the one who first got me into this. And I was like, oh, maybe what I do is I take the skills that I already have as a PT and I can create something online with that. That's how this whole thing started for me, was looking at how can I take the skills that I already have, apply it to something new, have a completely different direction, but ultimately be, be actually satisfied doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm honestly a really big fan of leveraging the skill that you already have, the experience that you already have, learning a new skill and merging those two together. That's all I've done. That's literally all I've done. What? Okay, so one of the questions that obviously comes up is you hear all these people that are like, I made $300,000 from my kid's bedroom. Here's how to do it too, right? Like the, the typical... You know, what oh, about, I gotta use that as an ad headline. I like that. Isn't that crazy, right? <laughs> but um, it can be done, but there's always a unspoken factor, right? That that person has 
that um and i'm not specifically saying you i'm saying in general there's this usually there's this thing you find out after the fact that oh their dad loaned them 200 grand or oh they had been working at it for eight years prior to this right so like and and we all have and and i don't think people realize this enough like we all have our unique ability we all have our um our leverage point or our what's the word that i'm looking for the thing that basically is unique to us in our situation that we can leverage to get ahead, right? Sure. Everybody has one. And mine was that I was single, young, stupid, and hungry, right? Like that is a huge, crazy, amazing leverage point for a lot of people when you are not in a relationship, have no kids, no responsibility, and you can be just flat out stupid and not fall very far. That was a big leverage point for me. So my question to you is, is like, you get started on this journey of growing a Facebook group, getting out of PT, right? And going into what it is that you did. What was your unique ability, right? Or like, what was yeah. your unique value factor there yeah, that yeah, nobody yeah. else has? So here's the, here's the thing. I think there's, there's two questions there. One of them is situational. And you're saying, was there a part of your situation that maybe most people don't have? Yes. Number two is, is there a unique ability that you have that maybe most people don't yes. have? Number one, the unique situation is that my wife and I were used to me having no income. Like I was going through school. You, you ain't getting paid in school. In fact, you're paying to work. So we were used to me having zero income and we could survive on that. My wife's a nurse. We had some savings from her and a little bit from me from earlier. And so like financially, was there stress? Yes, but we were also used to me not making a dime. Okay, Got it. so there's that. Like we had a little bit of lag time where it was like, okay, we can start doing some side hustle stuff and be okay with that. Got That's it. number one. I could not have done this if I were completely dependent on myself to be earning an income from day one, because it doesn't happen. You know that. Oh. <laughs> Number two, I have a lot of mental bandwidth. Like I hold a lot of crap in my head at any given time. But my unique ability is I take a complex process that I can hold up here mentally and I can condense it down and communicate it in a way that people can understand at their level, aka marketing. <laughs> yeah. Really, right? And so I've always had the ability to say, hey, here's a complex topic. Let me see if I can break it down into a framework or into a recipe that can make it simple and easy for you to understand and talk about it in a pleasing way. Yeah. That's it. And I think that's super important because I think a lot of people have an ability like that. Maybe not in the same way that you do, but a lot of people... I like to look at the world and I say, there's two types of people. Now, this is a way overgeneralization, right? But like, let's for the sake of this conversation, there's the naturally talented, super smart people in the world, right? The people that are like the, the, I don't know, the Taylor Swifts, right? Who are just like stupid talented. And then there's the Mark Zuckerberg and the Elon Musk's who are just genius level smart. And there's a lot of those people that will never become that, that are just like, they're too smart for their own good. And they're like, they're truly are talented. And if you know, you put, if they, you take that brain power, you're going to be successful. And then there's the people that you and I that are not really all that smart, but we know how to communicate well, right? Or we, we can understand a process and state it in a way that other people can understand, right? And there's other abilities like that. Some people might not be either one of those, but they might be super artistic, right? Or they might be super athletic or, you know, whatever that thing is. But we all have this one ability that we see it and we go, well, everybody has that because it comes so naturally. And one of the things for me was uh, that I realized was impromptu public speaking, okay? Like that is my 
unique ability. And I have not met very many people that are better at impromptu public speaking than I am. Like you could put me on a stage in front of 10,000 people. And you're good right, to go like that. Right Heck now. Yeah. And I could entertain them for an hour, right? To I've where some it. people will literally, would literally have a panic attack, right? And so you have to find your unique ability and double down on that and then find people that need that unique ability, right? My problem was, is that I always wanted to hang out with people that had my unique ability and I wanted to sell to them because I thought they were cool. And I was like, I'm cool, you're cool, we're all cool, let me sell to you, but they didn't need what I had, right? So how did you go? And I mean, I think for you, maybe it was a little bit more, the path was a little bit more clear because of the physical therapy thing, but maybe not. But at what, at what point did you realize, oh, I've got this skill to make complex things simple. I'm gonna leverage that and use that. You know, I wanna say, you remember the podcast that I had initially, it was about personal development and habits. And I actually thought- Habit that Hacked that, Podcast. The Habit Hacked Podcast, baby. It's still up and live. We haven't published for like two years. Um, <laughs> go listen to old Josh 40 though. Um, find, we'll link, the, if we can get the link to it, I'll, oh, I will totally. link Yeah, I've still got it. it. Okay, then I'll link it down in the episode notes. All right, so I would say, uh, dude, I, it's anytime that you've got a problem that you have solved in your life, you just know that somebody else is going to have that same one, right? So ultimately, I stumbled into it because I was trying to figure out marketing for myself for this podcast, and I started learning about video editing. That was the first one. Then I started learning. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was, yeah, yeah. I probably have a video that I edited for you to promote that podcast. I'll have to see if I can dig that up. I had some really good ones uh, that I didn't have any video editing background, but I learned it as I went with that. But I realized that over time, those things that I was picking up for the like last two years of PT school were all skills that now are, are six-figure skills for us in just understanding how to combine my knowledge as a healthcare provider and actually disseminate it online, AKA market, right? right? So all we did was we started talking to our friends who were also PTs or other healthcare providers and just saying, hey, look, we're testing this thing out with a Facebook ad. And by the way, when I was doing this at first, it was very much for free, like very much for free. Josh, yeah. we talked about this. Like, do the thing free first. Don't be afraid to get results for someone for free. I'm helping my brother right now through this. It's like Even at a high level, AKA, I can't mention specific names of anything, but literally yep. right before we got on this uh, podcast interview, I just told you, I mean, we're doing like five figure a month deals for free type deal. Um, yeah. Continue. I think we, I think when, especially when we're in business building mode, we get way too worried about profitability right now. So much so that we neglect the need to go and figure out a process, get results, and earn trust before we're actually ever making a sale. Yeah. And so the way we did it early on, I worked for free in a physical therapy clinic running Facebook ads for them. Started having some success with it, thinking actually that I was going to work there in that clinic. Like I was there building a patient base so that I could work into a position there. And then realized that, oh, actually I like, I like getting the patients and like attracting the patients online more than treating the patients. So why don't I just go all in and help people get patients, aka teaching marketing. And that's how the Facebook group started. It was literally just me. Dude, we weren't an expert and we didn't come into the marketplace with that positioning, which I think is really important. You have to be, really, you got to be authentic to where you're at in your journey. And we said, guess what? I tried this this week. Here's how it worked. I didn't come in and say, guess what? I'm the world's foremost leading physical therapy marketer. Heck no. Wasn't going to work. 
But what we did say is, look, we know how to do this thing. We tried it out. And look, this week we got really good results with this thing. Let me, let me, let me know if you want me to break it down. Oh yeah, please, please, please. That'd be awesome. And we just gave so much of that for months that then finally people told us, what, like, why aren't you letting us pay you for this? How can we pay you for this? And that's when we had our first course launch that did five figures because people were like, please just let us pay you for this. We said, okay, finally. We'll figure that. Mind you, that five-figure launch came off of a $97 product. Yeah, it did. I couldn't believe group with like 500 that. People. I couldn't believe it. I will never forget the day that you messaged me about this and you asked me, I forget if it was for positioning or you wanted me to look over the funnel or something. And I asked you what your goal was with it. And you're like, I think we could do five figures with it. I think we can do 10 grand. And I was like, I literally told you not to get your hopes up yeah. and to shoot for like five because I'm like 500 people, $97 product. Like that's a hundred sales. That's 20% conversion of a group to make that. I was like, I don't think you're going to get that. Right. And then you come back and you do the launch and you're like, bro, we did $10,000. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Holy cow. This is incredible. <laughs> That was amazing. The, the thing is, every time I talk to you about numbers or anyone about numbers, we actually have a lot higher conversions than what you would normally have. Like on webinars, we'll convert 30% of people on a thousand plus dollar product. Yeah. Like we do things a little bit differently, right? Which is why we can have a, a group of 2,500 people and have a business that's six figures, right? Of multi six figures at this point. It's, it's just about how we take care of people. But, but again, it comes back to what's something that you're a few steps ahead of people at? How can you go ahead and show them value by actually just teaching them the thing? People will get so overwhelmed that they won't actually be able to do it. They'll ask for your help. Like literally, uh, that's, that's like been our recipe, man. Just give people as much as we possibly can. And, and, that, and that is what has contributed so much to your success, I believe. Um, I love what you said about you don't have to walk in and be the world's foremost expert on blank. Going back to the concept of working for free, one of the things that I think Sam Ovens absolutely just nailed on the head was he says, when you don't have results, the only thing that matters is you getting a result. That is it. Not making money, not making profit, not landing clients, not your program, not whatever, nothing, not your Instagram, Facebook, not your, zero until you can get a result. So you work for free, you beg, borrow, you do whatever you have to do to get a result. Once you have a result and you can duplicate that result over and over and over and over again in your sleep without thinking about it, you will never have a problem making money again. And everything else is going to fall into place from that. And then it's simply a matter of your processes, your systems, your tweaks. Then you can build a business. But you can't build a business until you can get a consistent result because unless you can produce a consistent result, you will, everything will always be changing. And I think that's one of the single biggest things that I learned from him. And it is the reason that I, and I didn't realize this at the time, it is the reason I'm at where I'm at today because when it came to Instagram, I didn't like, I had no idea what I was doing growing audiences. I didn't know about the perfect webinar. I didn't know about three secrets or objections. I didn't know about structure. I didn't know about story. I, everything that I follow now and everything that Russell runs and teaches, I knew zero of it all. Yet I grew 2 million followers on Instagram, had this huge Facebook group, whatever. Why? Because everybody else tried to follow all those scripts and patterns or whatever. And I walked in and went, here's the results. 
fight me, right? And anytime anybody would go and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, I'd be like, 100,000 followers grown, 50,000 followers grown, 500,000 followers grown. And literally nobody could say anything because I would literally just show them, I would open up my phone and show them the analytics on the account and they'd be like, oh, you know what I mean? And I'll never forget, there's a guy named Brian Mello. Brian, if you're listening, shout out. He is a um, really smart marketer and uh, he actually is the head of um, a GM dealership or something like that up in Boston. And he hangs out with like rich people all the time, drives Ferraris and Lambo, super cool dude. But I made a post, um, how to grow, I don't know, it was like 10,000 followers a month on, on Instagram. And I made that on Facebook. And he calls me out. He takes a screenshot of my personal account for friends and family that had like 500 followers on it. So find them screenshots it, post it and be like, so this scam artist out here teaching you, here's his real account, right? And so I fired right back at him. And I literally, there was a line of screenshots, probably like 25 or 30 long of every different account that we had grown. And I was like, hope to see you on the webinar. That was it, right? And so he ends up showing up on the webinar, listening to it. We actually are good friends now, right? Like we text back and forth all the time now. But he called me out and I was like, you can shut up anyone. You can go and land any client if you can get a result. And so, so many people are focused on how do I create my course? How do I get leads? How do I grow a Facebook group? How do I do blah? And I'm like, here's step number one what can you do consistently every single time? And that's what you did. Yeah. And it's not that complex looking back at it. Like help a few people, publicize those results, everywhere. work with more people <laughs> everywhere, work with more people, maybe start charging people, get consistent results and create a system around it. It's exactly and it doesn't right. have to be mind-blowing results either. It just has to be results. Yeah. Like actual results that people actually want. Done. Yeah. And oftentimes like, non-mind-blowing results are oftentimes very better, especially for beginners, because there's usually not a lot of thought that goes into non-mind-blowing results. Meaning, like, I'm going to use the classic example of an agency, a Facebook ad agency, right? Everyone's like, I want to get, you know, 300 ROI from my Facebook ads, right? I'm like, do you know that if you literally could just go and figure out how to get a restaurant or a dentist or a chiropractor, like 10 leads a month, they'll pay you 500 bucks for that. And everyone's like, well, I want to charge $2,000 a month for it. I'm like, or you can get 10 leads or 20 leads or whatever it is that they're happy with paying you 500 a month, spend 15 minutes a month for that $500 and then go and sign 20 clients and make $10,000 a month. And like you work, what, five hours a month for it, 10 hours a month for it. You know what I mean? Like, so like they're not after, like these people aren't after mind blowing results. Who's after the mind blowing results? the big wigs, right? Like the Russell Brunson's of the world, the Grant Cardone's of the world. If you can come in and impress them, they're not going to be impressed with a 1% better conversion rate, but that's not where you start. And so if you just start at the beginning, then you're going to be able to go out and have it. It is amazing to me. And I'm sure you've seen this a lot too. It's like, there's some dumb business owners out there. <laughs> they're just idiots, but like they know how to get a consistent result. And that's it. That's literally all it takes. And you can make so much money. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and one thing I think to remember too, is we feel like we always have to fight this uphill battle of, I have to grow an audience from scratch, or I have to do X, Y, or Z thing from scratch. You know what the biggest hack for me has been in all of this? It's creating relationships with people who know what they're doing. For example, 
This kid named Josh Forty started following him. He knows what he's doing. Dang. I created a relationship with him. Okay. I brought him on my podcast. I actually gave him value before I asked for a thing for him. Right. I, I did not ask for anything from you. Josh, the phone call that you gave me, I did not beg for that call. Mm. I gave you some value beforehand. And then Josh gave me advice. And what did I do with that advice? I sat on it and I thought about it for about four weeks, whether or not I'd actually do it. No, I actually went and did the thing that he told me to do. Yeah. And then what did I do? I got results with it. And then I went back to Josh and I said, Josh, check it out, man. I got these results. What did Josh do? Josh has actually promoted the crap out of me over the years. Like you, you've done a bunch of video interviews with me, man. You, you give me a lot of shout outs. Well, guess what? Your audience isn't necessarily our audience, but I've done the same thing in our audience. I've gone to people who, who do have audiences. I've listened to what they say. I do what they say. I get results. I report back. If you've heard of Dream 100, I'm telling you that's the very best Dream 100 strategy I can think of. Go yeah. follow the people that are where you want to be, who have the audience that you want to also have. Get results in their sphere and then report that back to them. Yeah. It's happened over and over and over. It's created lots of relationships for us that have ended in lots of business deals. Um, but it's also grown relationships and friendships with people that we'd otherwise have no business associating with, per se. Yeah. I think that that's super key too. Like, I think that you forget like big wigs, even like people that have made a fair amount of money and have a fair amount of success, like they still want to hear success stories. Totally. They want to... I, I love it when people are like, oh man, like I wonder if Ty Lopez, you know, like Ty Lopez wouldn't, you know, find my story interesting. He gets them all the time. I'm like, you go up right now. If you were to see Ty Lopez and you were to walk up to him and you'd be like, dude, Ty Lopez, I took your course and I went from zero to $10,000 a month. You know what the first thing he's going to do is he's going to pull out his phone, pull up Snapchat and be like, say that to the camera, <laughs> right? Why? Because that's value to him, right? Yeah. That's just more social proof. And if when you study that I have been going through a lot recently is this book right here, like the psychology of persuasion, right? Like one of the, I call them eight pillars. He says six, but I think there's eight. Like one of the pillars of persuasion is uh, social proof, right? And if you study Ty, who knows psychology better than any other marketer out there, you think Russell Brunson or Ty Lopez, I mean, or, or Gary knows psychology, like, yeah, they're smart people, but nobody knows psychology like Ty, right? Like the day is just brilliant, right? So like you understand that and you go, oh, he wants that. That's valuable to him. It's probably valuable to other people that understand that as well too. Like we want testimonials. If you've taken a program of mine, guess what? I absolutely want to hear from you. I absolutely want to hear from you three things. Number one, I want to know your results. Okay. Like if you've gotten results from it, I absolutely want to hear that. Number two, I absolutely want to hear how I can get better. Like there's, there's absolute, that's absolutely a thing that I want to hear. And number three, I absolutely want to know why you chose to follow me versus somebody else. Right? Like so if you tell me those three things, and I'm telling you now, like I will take that information and I will improve off of it. And I can now better your life even more. Alex has done all three, and you've done all three of those things for me. You've told me how to get better. You've told me why you follow me versus someone else. And you've told me the results that you've gotten. And because of that, let me look at the friendship that we have out of it. Right. It's amazing. Right. It's, it's amazing. so cool if you give people what they want, right? If you <laughs> just focus on giving people what they want, your life will be immeasurably better. And the cool thing is, it's not like that takes tons of time. Like, how long does it take me to send Josh a message and say, dude, we tried this thing out. It worked amazingly. Boom. How long does it take me to send Steve Larson a message or post on one of his, uh, on his feed and say, dude, we tried this thing from your video. We 3X'd our revenue from, from tweaking our offer, right? All that stuff doesn't take you time. Right. But the impact that, can, that it can have is so big. That's called leverage. Yeah. Shoot your shot when you got it. If you got a big result, you got to take, take it up on that. Hey, I, let, I'll, I'll, 
so many things I want to get to. Let me back up. On that note, you grew a business in your parents' bedroom, your parents' bedroom, (laughs) your kids' bedroom, and you, you built what you built by showing up every single day. And I would imagine that if you're anything like literally any other entrepreneur ever, there was a lot of those days when it was pretty boring, pretty unsexy, pretty non Instagram worthy. And you just kept showing up and you kept showing up. And I think one of the single greatest downfalls of social media for business is that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I can log into Instagram and see everybody else's success stories. So on the days when I'm having a bad day, I can see everybody else having a good day. And the day when I'm having a good day, I can see everybody else having a good day. And the days when I'm indifferent, I can see everybody else having a good day. And in reality, most people aren't having any good days. They're just like you. But because it's on Instagram, it looks like it's a good day. And because of that, we give up. And because of that, we're not consistent. And the more that I've understood and studied the eighth wonder of the world, which, you know, compound interest, right? Compound interest is born out of consistency. Like that's the kind of the key ingredient of compound interest, right? And you think about that and you go, everything in the world, you know, that has been great and followed this trajectory up, whether it's Amazon or Apple or what have you, it all came off of this compound interest. It all come, came off of being consistent. If you are literally just consistent at one thing for long enough, I actually believe it is impossible to fail. Like, I actually believe that. If you are just, well, there's a second factor in there, committed to getting better. If you're consistent and committed to getting better, committed to like fixing your mistakes, I do not believe it's possible not to succeed. What are your thoughts? Dude, I think you have to be consistent at the right thing. I will add that one caveat. Right, which is <laughs> constantly getting better. Sure, sure. But, and I, and I guess that's the thing is just show up, right? Just show up and keep showing up. And that's the hard thing is that you have to... Com- you have to constantly manage state as an entrepreneur, right? Especially when you're not surrounded by people who are making you check in. You're not surrounded, like there's not performance reviews. There's not end of year goal reviews. Like it's you or it's nothing. And so I think that you have to become, one of my mentors told me one time, you have to become your best boss. Like you have to become both the CEO and the employee. And some days you have to put on your employee pants and say, great, I'm just gonna go to work, I'll do it. Sweet CEO, what do you want me to do? Awesome, I'll go do it. Because that's the hard thing as an entrepreneur. We have the freedom, but with I that freedom, no, it's not worse. actually. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because when you have, everyone talks about wanting freedom. You know, what you also have the freedom to do what you just said: not do anything at all. Go to the casino and gamble your money away. You got the freedom to do that too. You have the freedom to lay in bed till eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and you have to really decide. You know, this is why for me, family is so important as an entrepreneur. Dude, that's what like I wake up and like, okay, family's up. Sweet. Let's, let's go. Let's do this. Like family's doing their thing. Sweet. I got to, I got to get going. I got to do this. So it actually provides so much more motivation for me yeah. because I know that there's other people relying on me. Like literally there's three other people that if, if I don't work hard, well, shoot, are they going to be able to eat? Right. Am I going to have to make my wife go work extra because I'm not? Okay. That's motivation. Right. So when people say like, ah, oh, yeah, but family's going to slow down your entrepreneurial journey. I am actually not so sure about that, man. In my case, if I were, if I were single right now, I would actually probably get way less done. I, I really truly, and maybe that's just my personality. Maybe I need the family for that. But the structure that it brings around it. Yeah, completely. The structure, the motivation, the push, right? Like there are other people relying on you beyond yourself. You got to step up. You have yeah. to step up. But again, a lot of that comes down to state control. And I'm just, uh, as I've been diving more and more into that, dude, I think one of the most important things as an entrepreneur is state control. 
And scrolling your Facebook or your Instagram newsfeed is probably the worst possible thing you can do for that. Keeping yourself in the mode of, sweet, I'm pushing, I have goals, I'm doing this, I can do this, I've got this. Whereas then you go start numbing yourself with social media, it doesn't work out. So state, you say, state control being the state upon which you're currently living? Mental state control. I mean, yeah. if you listen to Tony Robbins at all, right? He's really big into state, controlling your state, how you're, like, how you're thinking, how you're feeling ultimately. So I use a lot of music for state control. Dude, I, mm. the, best, the best state control hack I have found. And, and some of this, I'm going to have to dive back into the MindShift playbook, man, because I'll bet you cover this at some point. I finished the first third of it. But I've just started in the morning because I think the morning is a really important time for, for any, anyone, but especially for entrepreneurs. And I find that if my morning sucks, like the rest of my day just absolutely sucks. So what I've started doing, I created this folder of videos that are specifically designed to get me out of a slow, crappy, groggy state hmm. into, I don't know what you would call it, just like absolute, like, heck yes, let's do this state. There's these four videos that I, that I have and there's music associated with them. I actually ripped some of them from YouTube. Some of them come from my favorite movies. And it's this progression of taking me from like boring, slow to remembering, hey, what's important for me? It's family. And then it goes to like, hey, why are you doing what you're doing? Then it goes to, hey, you've absolutely got this. And then there's gratitude. And as I watch, it's about a 15 minute progression. Dude, at the end of that, I'm just like freaking flowing, man. And so much of that consistency in showing up is in controlling the state because something's going to be boring. Everything yeah. is going to be boring in business at some point, but you have to be able to overcome that. Uh, and, and I feel like a big part of that is environmental and state control. Yeah, I think that's super important, the state control, because like, I mean, uh, the state that you're in is directly related to your energy, right? Absolutely. And like energy, you know, you, we know how big energy is if you've read the Mindship Playbook, which thank you for bringing that up. Like energy is everything, right? Like when you're in alignment with energy, it, it, everything in the universe is energy. I mean, if you understand quantum physics, once again, Mindship Playbook, like, you know, we're 0.001% physical, 99.99999% energy. So like, you do that. And one of the things that I love about the music is m music brings, like music is a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? An outlet or, or it's a way to bring your energy levels or it bring you into a certain state of mind. And so like nostalgia, right, is a huge player in a lot of people's things, right? Like a nostalgia makes people do crazy things. People buy into nostalgia big time, right? And so if you want to create a nostalgic environment, what do you do? you turn on oldies, right? You turn on old music. Why? Because it brings them back to that state. Same thing is true when you're wanting to be in focus mode and you can program your mind like you've been doing to say, okay, this type of music is my focus mode. And I know like for Steve Larson, that's dubstep, right? Like yeah, for yeah. me, I cannot work with noise. Like I am, when I work, it is dead silent. Like if there is noise around or whatever, like I can work in it, but I will do my best work in noise. However, Every, depending upon it is, sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's two hours, but every certain amount of time, I have to turn on music and I have to bring my energy levels back up. And it's almost like I'm refilling my tanks. I'm getting myself into that state. And there are certain songs that I turn on because the consistency of that music and the, the, the state of mind that it goes, because you know we, we memorize things and whenever there's a tune, it's easier to memorize. Like your body reacts to that. So it's like, oh, when I'm remembering this flow, my body is going to naturally go back into the state upon which I am most comfortable with that song, which is why like 
you know, if you if you've ever been in a relationship and you've been all about one specific song and then that relationship ends, you never want to listen to that song again because you're going back to those memories, right? The same thing is true when you can program your mind to state, or I mean, to you know, to your state of mind that you want to be in order to work, which is, hey, if I can program my life, my brain to go, hey, when this song plays, I'm in work mode. That's huge, yeah. and that's why you know, for me, there's certain songs that I run to because. I know when I run to those specific songs, my brain focus, the focus in my mind comes off of running and into my head. And it's interesting how that works. And I can run so much further when I'm listening to certain songs or to certain things. One of them being like when I read Ryan Holiday, I love running to Ryan Holiday. All right. That's not a song. It's just an, I mean, it's an author, but like, because my state of mind when I'm there is so intrigued by this human who seems to be speaking who I am that all of a sudden I look down, I've run two miles and I'm like, oh, that felt like 10 seconds, right? I don't even realize that I'm there. Same thing can be done with, with work. So I love that. Sorry, yeah, man. It, it, it's cool. No, no, dude. I, I think it's just important to, to recognize that there are these little shifts that you do make along the way. And I think the, the whole entrepreneurial journey teaches you so much about your mind and your body and how that affects output. Yeah. It just ends up being incredibly important in being able to sustain uh, sustain that energy, but sustain results too for your business as you keep growing because things will get old. Like yeah. for as much as you love the one thing that you might be doing right now, at some point it will be old. It, you will need to be able to to keep doing that thing. And again, getting back to consistency, you have to be able to control that. Yeah, and you can get your the, mind into a rhythm of things too. I think people don't realize that. Um, today marks. Today marks 40 days, dude. Oh my goodness. 40 straight days that I have run. Well, I will this afternoon. It will be my 40th day. And it's weird because I didn't run for like almost six years. Yeah. Like I hated running. And now it's just like what I do. And I'm, I'm on day 40 of it. And it's like, I don't even think about it. Yeah. And like, I don't like it per se. I mean, some days are better than others, but I just do it, right? Like it's just, a subconscious thing is part of who I am now. It's part of my identity and my subconscious or whatever. And so you can get into rhythms of doing what it is that you don't like to do necessarily or the boring things, just make it part of who you are. That's just, yeah, that's what I do. And when you do that, it's very, very powerful because you start to do it without even realizing that you're doing it. So. I love it, man. Um, do you stop? Do you have time or do you have to go? No, dude, I got a few more minutes. I, I got you. Okay. I want to wrap back around to one of the original questions that I asked that I don't think we ever fully touched on, which was, what is Alex Engar trying to build? Like, what, what, are, what are you ultimately trying to achieve in your life? Man, such a deep question, Josh. Dude, I ultimately, for me, building a family that, um, that I feel like I have passed on what I know and what's important to me. And like, honestly, like, what do I want to build? Dude, I, like, I want to build a family that's going to be with me forever. Hey, okay. Like the, my belief system is that there's a very small amount of stuff that you take from this life into the next. That's your knowledge, the stuff that you learn, your experiences and the relationships of, of your family. And so anything that doesn't directly ultimately build my ability to take care of my family and progress those relationships isn't important to me. So A, that family relationships. B is from the temporal side, from, you know, what am I trying to do here on earth? Well, dude, I want to be able to just empower people to decide what they really want in life and have the tools to be able to go after it confidently. Yeah. That's, and, and for me, that, that's born of my own experience. Like I followed what ultimately was probably somebody else's path for my life, whether it was 
you know, social medias or families or whatever, it doesn't matter. I ultimately started following that path that I believed was right for me based on society and realized as I got down that road that I was going to be very, very unhappy living for someone else. And so as I got aligned to what really matters to me and decided that, shoot, that's not what I want. How do I go get it? I had to learn certain skills. I had to have certain tools in my toolkit to be able to make this happen. And for me, that's always been the most important thing is I want to be able to live how I feel like I truly need to. Need to and I want to be able to help other people do that same thing. So my business, that's why my business is so centered on and everything that we end up creating is centered on helping people to have more opportunities in their business, with the travel hacking stuff, with everything. It's how do I help people have more opportunities than what they think they might have right now? Open them up to that and then give them the tools and the step-by-step paths to be able to do that. Hmm. What does your life in... How old are you now? I'm 31. So you're 31. So what does your life in 20 years look like from a standpoint of... How do I say this? Like, in 20 years from now, are you super famous in the sense of like speaking on stage, kind of going the Russell Brunson route of things, right? Who, I mean, you're Mormon, he's Mormon. So you're very much in alignment there. Loves his family. Family's number one, yet incredibly famous in his you know area of things. Or are you more of the, I've built my business, I've removed myself from the process, and now I'm the Ryan Holiday of, I live out on a farm in the middle of nowhere and hang out with my donkeys. You know, like, what does your life look like in that structure? Maybe not the details, but like yeah. more of the structure of it. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to be really honest. Up until age 30, like I had this thing so planned out. I had it so planned out. Like I knew everything that I was aiming for. It was like, ah, just put my head down, grind, 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 get to it. And then all of a sudden, I remember finishing school. And I was like, oh my gosh. I have no direction. I have absolutely like nothing that I'm pushing for. I've always been incredibly goal-oriented and like vision-focused. And I'll be honest, this whole entrepreneurship journey has like totally blown up what I, what I thought things would be like. And I don't honestly have a clear vision of what that's going to be 20 years from now. Like that's a really cop-out answer. But like, dude, I, yeah. I don't know if I just haven't thought about it or like literally, I don't know, man, the possibilities seem so open to me right now. Yeah. That ultimately, would I love to be able to like speak on stages and stuff, dude? I love a good stage. Like I, oh, I'm like you, right? Like I'll hop up in front of a group of people, <laughs> I'll hop up on a stage, and like, dude, flow zone right there, Heck, come yeah. alive. <laughs> so 100, like, will that be a part of of my life? Yes. Will my family also be kind of the deciding factor into how that goes? Yes. Uh, and I, I can't see myself ever being happy now, knowing what I know, receding back into the shadows and not being willing to, to have a platform to share things with, uh, with people. So at some point, dude, it's, I'm going to have to keep putting myself out there just because I love it so much. Yeah, I can totally see that. It's interesting to me to watch as I'm, you know, as I'm growing up, I start to notice more things with the people that I follow. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk is pretty much, you know, been crazy old Gary, who I love. But like to watch how Russell's changed, to watch Ty, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I, I follow... Sam, mostly for business, but for Ty Lopez, I, I think that, man, if he could find God, and I'm going and I'm to say that out there, like, I know he's not into that, and he's yeah. very much into evolutionary, evolution psychology, Dr. David Buss, like, things like that. But I think that if Ty ever found, like, if Ty ever believed that there was a God out there, and yeah. that he had a personal relationship with him, I think Ty and I's life would look very similar. Um, because I think Ty understands the balance of work and impact and like having a good time. And I think he's pretty open with it with his followers, which is pretty cool. He does it in a very 
cliche tie way, but like the underlying factor of what he's doing, you understand like what he's actually doing and how he's sharing it. So um, it's always been interesting to see how like the people, and I've only been in the game for four years, but like even in four years to watch when like there's, there's phases of life. And I feel like that, that 18 to like 22 year old range, like you're kind of the same per, I mean, like you're not, there's a lot of growth in there, but like you're in that phase, right? And then there's the phase of life where you kind of grow up after that 21, 22, you kind of go through and you become this like new person. And then I feel like you probably stay there, but I mean, like you definitely grow, but like there's certain years of people's life where they just make these massive growths and massive changes. And that comes through life events, experiences, death, right? I mean, like, holy cow, you have a death in the family that'll just radically change who you are. And it's been interesting to watch those things in other people's lives and go, okay, what do I need to prepare for? What do I, like, how do I want to structure my life? And so I'm always curious of what people, like how they see themselves in 20 years from now. Yeah. Um, with that. So. Can I interject here? I think one thing that I've thought about a lot is I've seen people have these radical shifts that are usually radical positive shifts. Like you've talked about, right? It was, if someone in your family dies or maybe for some people, it's like losing their job or maybe for others, like it's midlife crisis and they just get really bored with their life. And you know, they, we all, have, it seems like everyone has to have this rock bottom moment before yeah. they make this positive shift towards what they really want. Yeah, freak out moment. Uh huh. Right. And the whole, dude, my whole thing has been, how can I make that positive shift without having that rock bottom moment have to hit? Hmm. Because like, think about it. You, you had that capability inside of you the entire time to make the shift. You probably had the internal desires. You just didn't have the impetus. You didn't have the trigger that told you, okay, enough's enough. I got to make the change now. So my thought has been from the very beginning, how can I avoid that like super low while still achieving the positive shift that's going to happen that, that I want to have happen. So do that, yeah. that like realistically happened to me in PT school, right? It wasn't like I was super depressed or anything. I didn't lose my family. Like nothing massive had happened. And yet I decided, okay, I want to make the shift right now. Like I'm, I'm just going to start making it. Yeah. But I've thought about that a lot. Like, is there not some way to be able to unlock that type of change without having that degree of negativity happen in your life at the same time. I don't know, man, if you've thought about that before, or like for you, what that's looked like. Because I know that you've been through some rough times and that that has triggered big change. But there's got to be a way to trigger that for yourself. And some of it for me is visualization. Yeah. Like if you can visualize yourself in that negative of a state, that negative of an environment, that it's like, okay, shoot, I can avoid that. Because I know that I'm always going to choose the lesser of two pains, right? Well, just, I mean, that's human psychology, right? Like, I mean, I've been big into sales recently, yeah. obviously, teaching this. And one of the videos that we just uploaded yesterday was um, basically the two things that drive all of human decisions, period, in life are people want to move away from pain and towards pleasure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just feel like I will, because as I've analyzed my life, I've made some, some, you know, I've made a lot of these little shifts along the way. And I always look at, it's me moving away from, from the greatest perceived pain and so I've decided, I, I've just really had this idea of how can I make the thing that I want, but is, is hard to do, how can I make the pain of doing that less than the pain of not doing it, if that makes sense. And yeah. having, a, dude, adopting that mindset of like, follow the path a little bit. If you keep doing the thing that you, that you know you shouldn't, but it's just comfortable and it's easy. Well, what if you keep following that to the end of the road? What does that look like? Then making that shift. That's that's the only way I've been able to do it. But I, I'm yeah. I'm just on this discovery of man. Is there is there some way that I can accelerate that in myself? 
Yeah, and I think a huge factor in that is consistently stepping out of your comfort zone because one of the things that happens that I one of the things about cliches is I think that a lot of cliches have a lot of truth, but people don't actually know how to explain why the that cliche has truth. They know that it's true, but they don't know how to why it's true. And like one of the cliches about like getting out of your comfort zone, everyone's like, yeah, get out of your comfort zone. That's where the great things happen. Well, why? Like, why is that? And it's because like your body has to adapt. Like you have to adapt to things and you will, but like when you're in your comfort zone, you're sitting there and your body doesn't have to figure it out. So it won't. But when you consistently push yourself out of this comfort zone, all of a sudden you like, you start to make things happen and you start to figure out how things are done. And if you can just, rather than doing like radical comfort zone shifts, if you just consistently every day or every week or whenever that is like go, this I have identified, I know this is my comfort zone. What's one thing I can do today to push me out of that? And then every day or once a week or whenever that is, you're constantly adjusting. Then your body is constantly looking for new things to do. And I think that that could potentially help make, you know, like move things forward and, and avoid that. But I think that stepping out of your comfort zone often really helps with that. And I think that that was probably one of the reasons that I got so far so quickly in my career was I quit my job with absolutely no logical reason why. I mean, I had almost no money, right? But I was like, all right, it's time. I am literally making enough money to pay my bills basically to the dollar. Let's quit. If something were to go wrong, I'd be screwed. I did that. And then what happens? Like four months into it, I'm like, we need to hire a webinar coach because we need to learn how to do webinars. Some guys like it's $25,000. I'm like, we have $8,000 to our name. How can we come up with $7,000 for the down payment? We come up with $7,000 literally between my business partner and I. I'm living on my own with no job. My business partner is not even a US citizen here on a student visa, not even legally allowed to do work. And we give our last 15,000, I think we had like 800 bucks or I don't know, $2,000. It was like under $2,000 left to our name. We write the check to this and we're like, well, bills are due in 30 days, so get to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like when you do that, it's like a freak out moment, but your body adjusts to it. You know what I mean? And you just continue going down the road. And it's like, well, what's the alternative? Sitting exactly where you are right now. And if you're okay with that, great. But are you really okay with that for the next 40 years of your life? Ooh, you know, that can be a tough pill to swallow. And that, yeah. They're thinking, is, is this what you want for 40 years? That's a or really long time. Or 80 or however, you know, however long it is that you're right. going to live for. Right. I mean, like that's a, and like, I'm being so much more aware of, like, I know I'm going to get old. And I, I think that's one of the things that a, a lot of people in their twenties don't recognize is that like youth ain't around forever. And I'm 25 and I'm like, Oh no, someday I'm going to be 60. You know what I mean? Like I'm already freaked out about it. But in, in, at the same time, I'm like, okay, I know that. So as long as I can just maximize these years, I won't be mad about it. Right? Like, I don't really care what my life looks like at 60 years old, as long as I know I have maximized my time getting to that point. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like if I was only, if, let's say like I only made $100,000 a year at, at 60, I would not be mad about that as long as I knew that every day leading up to that point, I maximized my learning potential, my impact potential, my you know, being a good person potential, you know, type deal. I wouldn't be mad about it. On the flip side of that, if I was 60 years old and made $50 million, I wouldn't be mad about it as long as I maximize potential. But either one of those scenarios, I could be wildly depressed and upset if I didn't maximize my potential between now and that time getting there. 
Dude, isn't it interesting if you think about it, because what you deem right now as your potential will change. Dude, 10 years from now, you might have a totally different idea of what's important to you and what you want to accomplish. I mean, look at just the past couple of years for yourself, like how that has shifted. And I look at that for me too. People ask me, well, are you, you sad that you did a doctorate degree and you're not using it? And I, I didn't know. Like I actually used to think like, ah, I don't know, maybe. But now looking back, it's like, no. At the time, that was what I deemed as being the most important thing in my life is to get as much possible education as I can. So I made the decision at the time, according to my greatest understanding of what I could accomplish, that that was what I should do. So I did it. And then I started to get a, an even greater vision of what I could accomplish. And I didn't just stick with status quo like you talked about. I started learning new things from guys like Josh Forty. And then that raised my vision of what I could accomplish to a different degree. And now am I mad that I took the actions that I did years ago? Well, heck, I didn't know anything about online business back then. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. How could I be mad at myself for not knowing something 10 years ago? Right. I know it now. How am I going to live according to my current knowledge and my current understanding of what my potential is going forward? Yep, 100%. And I think that we more people need to realize that. My biggest fear is that I'm going to wake up in like five years or 10 years from now and realize, man, business, entrepreneurship, success, modern day world all sucks. I just get to re retreat to an island and never come off. I don't know. Sometimes there are some days, man, I'll tell you when my girlfriend's a big island person. She used to live down in the Caribbean. She was a first mate. I mean, she literally hung out on multi-million dollar yachts every day in catamarans in hundred foot deep water that looks like you could touch the bottom because it was completely crystal clear. All right. Like that was her life before the hurricane. And so like, she'll shows me, she'll show me pictures of these things or whatever. And we're going to go travel to all these gorgeous beaches. I'm like, I'm afraid I'm going to get there and be like, screw this. I'm never leaving. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Bye, ma'am. That's the thing is like, everyone's entitled to, to live the, the type of fulfillment that they want, right? For some people, it might be, dude, I earn 40 grand, I go save it and I go live on some crazy deserted island and like eat crabs the rest of my life. And I'm super happy with that. And that's the hard thing is like, you can't, and you've brought this up about people that, that you know and love who don't have the same vision for what they want to accomplish in their life as you do, right? Not that it's better or worse, it's just different. My best friend in the whole world, yeah. And I think that sometimes we have to have that same respect or kindness towards our old selves because otherwise we just keep beating ourselves up that we're not further ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I think that like so much of life and business is figured out when you have a good identity of yourself, good version of you. Like, I hate the term like love yourself because no, sometimes you need to look yourself in the mirror and be like, you piece of crap, get your life together, right? Like, come on now. And like, I've had to have plenty of those conversations with my life. But like, I honestly can look myself in the mirror right now and I can go, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah, not because I'm great, but because I've used the talents that God has given me in a way that I think honors and pleases him. And that's important. And so, you know, people, it, it, it really does blow my mind that so many people search for happiness and fulfillment to success in other things outside of like internally. Like I, I, I say within, I'm really mean, like I say my identity is within me, but I only say that because I believe God is within me, right? My identity is in God, right? Like that's what I believe. But even if you're not religious, like you've got to be okay with this, right? Because there's literally nothing out there. Like it's just so logical. You know what I mean? Like when you think about it, there's nothing out there that's going to make you happy, right? There's, if you hate this, like, guess what? At the end of the day, whether you like it or not, literally at the end of the day, you have to go to bed and you have to deal with yourself and you have to be alone with your thoughts because as much as you'd like to think you could, 
even drugs and alcohol and partying like can't drown it out forever. Like you, you, you literally have to face your own self at some point. And to me, one of the things that, and I think the reason that my priority shifted so much was like, when I looked myself in the mirror, when I was 19 and 20 years old, what I looked at myself and said was, you've got to go get your money right. Like that was the message I was telling myself because that was the most, like that was the driving force behind my pain, right? Was like, I am not going to be okay with myself until I ha at least have some form of financial success. Okay. And so I went and did that. But like, as life went on, that message changed because I went, oh, okay, I know how to make money now. I know that I don't need that now. Like, I know I can go do that. What is it that when I look myself in the mirror and tell myself, what is that pain that I'm trying to get away from? Like, what is that thing that I have to go fix? And for most people, it's not money. Like, if you're super broke, maybe. Like, if you're in a lot of debt and you're really dumb with your money, maybe. But like, for most of us, it's, I'm not okay with my self-image. I'm not okay with like, whatever that thing is. And so for me, I've always been the person that's like, if I'm not okay with something and I want it to change, go change it, which is why I went out and made money because I was broke and I didn't like it, so I went and changed it. But then I kept looking myself in the mirror and I was like, I don't like who I am. And so I was like, well, then I'm gonna go change it. And I did. And it's like just this weird cycle of like, just why don't people do that? Alex, why don't people do that? It's like, it's, it's really hard work, but it's not complicated, you know? Man, it's the lesser of two pains. We're always going to choose the lesser of two pains and it's more... It, it's more painful to make the change than it is to to sit there and say, okay, I don't like myself, but this hurts. I, plus, plus, I think, to be honest, and this applies to me, I don't think oftentimes we see a vision of what we could be. That's true. I think there's a lot of maybe discontent with ourselves, but not clarity as to what you could be or even what you could do to get there. Yeah. And when you get clarity on what it is that you really want, and you can go after that hard, then it makes it pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. At least for me. At least for me. I, I will say, I think the single greatest benefit of the internet is the fact that you have access to unlimited information. Like, as much bad as the social media world has done for people, I do believe that that is such a great positive impact. You know what I mean? Like, it is so positive in the sense that any human being that has access to a phone, and by the way, there are more people that have access to cell phones than clean water in the world, okay? So like, try that on for, so, you know, for size. So like, if you have access to a phone, you have access to literally unlimited information through Google and YouTube. So like, when you understand that, you have no excuse to stay where you're at, and it really, truly is your responsibility. It used to be that it was reserved for the uber-rich, and for that, where you were born into. And then it was, you had to have access to get to the library. You had to live in a certain county. Now it's like, literally it's on your phone. It's in your pocket. Sitting it's, there. you know what I mean? And so just go and do it. So anyway, I know we've gone way long on this. It's been such a great conversation. I think we do need to wrap it up though. Uh, Cause I know you need to go. Um, but uh, I want to move on to rapid fire questions. Because we, we end every episode with rapid fire uh, questions of everything. Um, but the first rapid fire question is not going to be a rapid fire question. It, it's a question I expect maybe to take a little longer than a rapid fire, but maybe not a full conversation. Um, the state of college in America. I, as you know, am someone that heavily does not like college for any form of entrepreneur. Um, pretty much anyone that, unless it's, you know, required by law that you have a degree, right? That being said, I mean, I know college serves its purpose. My question to you is a little bit different than that, though. Not so much is college a scam, but is college going to have a ultimate downfall? 
Like, is college going to not be a thing in like 100 years or 50 years? Dude, I think it can't keep going like it is. Come on. Like the cost of school right now, I got my degree. I got a cheap degree, right? Like my, my doctorate was actually on the very, very cheap side. Most of my friends and, uh, and like college associates, like, dude, they're coming out with 150K plus in debt. Okay. That, like that's, that's on the like pretty medium side, right? I have friends who are 200K plus in debt. And they're coming out as, in, in my case, in, in my field, like maybe 60, 70, maybe 80K starting salaries. And I have friends who are 20 plus, 25 years in the profession, still paying off student loans. Like th- this is ridiculous to me. And people wonder why we're depressed. That's got to be a, a driver of depression, right? Like seriously though, like when you really think about it, to where you as a grown adult human being literally do not have the freedom to go out and make choices because you are paying off an education for 30 years of your life. Dude, it's like a, it's like a mortgage. It is, it is literally a second mortgage for most of my peers. It's ridiculous. And now I want to talk about opportunity cost for a second because that's what this conversation really comes down to. College, four years, lots of classes that you don't end up using. I'm sorry. But there are a whole crap ton of classes that I took that I will never, ever, ever use, even if I were a practicing physical therapist, right? But just the fact like, like they, they make you take so many classes in undergrad that are just total, I'm sorry, but total BS for like actual life is just a, such a huge waste of time. But then let's look at the money side. You're sitting there saying that you're going to take four years doing and learning something where you're probably not going to actually make any money doing it. And then after that, you can get like a, a semi-decent job, okay? And I understand that there are specific technical trades, there are specific medical trades where like this has, like you have to have that formal education. Sure, I get it. Most people aren't going into those road routes. I just think that the time and now opportunity cost of what could you get for, dude, $60,000, right? What could you get for $60,000 of education in the entrepreneur world? And three years. You get Inner Circle and Sam Ovens. Right? Like you get, <laughs> you get years of like the best business training ever. Why would I ever get an MBA? I'm sorry, but why would I ever get an MBA? I've had people ask me, oh, cool, you're doing business. Are you going to go get an MBA? Are you joking me? Not worth it. So I think that that's the problem that it's going to face is that smart people will keep realizing more and more that it's not worth it. Well, and the thing is, is that I don't think people realize like college is not old. Like think about it. A hundred years ago was eight. It was nineteen nineteen. Like college wasn't even a thing a hundred years ago. It was for the uber uber elite. Like majority of college came around in the last fifty years, arguably, right? And people are like, "Uh, co- yeah, you couldn't. Why would you not go to college?" I'm like, I don't know because. What do you think was around 50 years ago? You think an iPhone was around? Was the internet around 50 years ago? You know what I mean? Like people are just so caught up in that world of like, well, you have to, because that's what you do. And I'm like, right. But the world also, it's not like, it's not even that the world has changed, but the, the world has literally changed. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh yeah, you've changed. No, like literally how we do everything. Like it's a completely different landscape. If you woke up someone that died in 1950, and you put them in today's they world, they would not recognize the world that was lived in. It's that drastic in you know, 50 or 60 years. Yeah. I think the whole point of college is 
it's like, it's just shifting, man. It's really hard because I, I, people say, well, do you like, are you glad you went? Cause dude, I went the full route, right? Like I'm not like you and I sit on very different ends of the spectrum, <laughs> right? Right. But interestingly also on very same levels in terms of like what we're aiming for and what we're trying to do and what we're actually actively doing. And am I glad that I finished school from a financial standpoint? Like I, the same things that I'm learning or that I'm making money on right now, I could have learned on phone calls with you or a thousand dollar courses or like whatever, right? What's making me income right now and what's creating a business that's multi six figures was not learned in a doctoral program. So are, are you upset that you finished school? Upset that I finished it? No, because I'm real. I, because when I make a decision to do something and my family's like banking on me to do it, I'm going to do the darn thing. So yeah. there's, yeah. there's that point, right? Like, because I, I was at yeah. that point where I, didn't, I hadn't told my wife that I was maybe not really interested in being a PT. That was like a year and a half after I kind of started feeling like that. And wow. so I felt like I had to finish because I had committed to it. And so if I commit to doing something, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the thing. Yeah. It's interesting though. Like for me, you know, Marie Larson. Yes. Shout out Marie. What's it's up? Not, wait, it's not Larson anymore. What is no, it? It's, I don't know. Uh, she, I just saw it too the other day. I know it starts with a D. I don't know. Anyway, shout shout out, out Marie, former Larson uh, on, uh, on this episode. But I was talking to her about this and like, she is that way. She, yeah. she told me, she's like, the reason I want to finish school is because I told myself I was going to finish school. And like, it took me a while, but like, I got it. Like we were friends for a while and I was finally like, okay, as long as you're doing it for yourself yeah. and not to impress someone else, then I guess I get it. I've just never been the type of person that's like, if there's not, like if I'm not under a contractual agreement to finish something or I have not given someone my word, I'm a man of my word, right? But if I have not given someone my word and I'm not under contractual agreement and I don't want to do it anymore, why would I do it? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a... a totally different personality, but I get why people need to finish. Yeah. And see, if I were in a different position where I wasn't married, I didn't have like my wife's savings heavily invested in us going through grad school. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm two years away from being able to provide for the family suite. Then like, yeah, different conversation maybe Huge, at that yeah. point. So it's all contextual. But yeah. I, I did decide to finish. Am I glad I did? Yeah. Now in retrospect, like sweet, glad I did. To other people in this situation, like what do I steer them towards? Well, do go after what you ultimately want. <laughs> Come on. Rule of thumb: don't go to college. All right, moving on. No, <laughs> no. rule of thumb: weigh all your options. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and really, lo really look at the opportunity. All right, let's go to rapid fire questions. You sir, do some traveling. I should do. I do a lot. What is your favorite airline to fly? JetBlue because of their chips, but. Uh, Delta because it's close to me. Dude, the, the JetBlue, TerraBlue chips. Come on, man. I, I don't know if I've ever flown JetBlue. Oh, you've never flown JetBlue? I mean, like, where does, where does it fly? Uh, they fly, they have a hub here in Salt Lake. And so uh, they, they, they fly oh, out. Do, or, but do they, they at least connect here? They connect to like Long Beach. Do they, do they partner with other airlines too? No, 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 no. JetBlue is JetBlue, man. You got to just try it because I know you're a Delta Weird. guy. I listen to the podcast. Um, I like Delta too. Like I, I, end, I end up flying Delta because they truly have a hub here. JetBlue's in like Long Beach. But when they came out, JetBlue was like leaps and bounds ahead of everyone in terms of the experience. Delta, I feel like it's caught up to them. Oh, so they're like a luxury airline, JetBlue. I wouldn't is. say luxury. No, man. No? They're, they're just like, they didn't have first class early on. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. That's uh, why I hate Southwest, by the way. 
but the free companion pass, man. Um, but but just fly them one time, promise. Yeah, me. blue. All right. Like probably realistically haven't flown them for like two or three years. But I'm very happy on Delta most of yeah. the time. I love Delta. The the only thing that I do not like about Delta is that every flight goes through Atlanta. It is stupid, and I hate the Atlanta airport. I can't stand it. And so anytime I'm flying east from Omaha, I'm like going through Atlanta because I pretty much only fly Delta um, because, you know, I have my platinum card or whatever. But uh, like, it's crazy. I'll be like, I'm going to go to Chicago. It'll be like, all right, Omaha to Atlanta to Chicago. I'm like, it's a 54 minute flight. Come on now. Oh, man. All right. Next question. Um, Are you a sports car guy? Uh, Not really. Uh, I have a someday I'll have a Camaro. But that's about it. I really like the 1994 oh. Dodge Viper back in the day. Ooh, when I was okay. a kid, man, the Viper was the the supercar or like the the really nice car that I wanted. Yeah. Right now, like my realistic nice car is a Camaro. Like a I, new, newer Camaro or older? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like newer Camaro. Yeah. I, I, they suck, man. On the inside, just FYI. That? Wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait till like 2020 or 21. Uh, hopefully they'll fix it. I rented, um, I love Camaros, by the way. I, yeah. I, I mean, I love Chevy. Um, I, I mean, that's my thing. But I drove the new 2019 Camaro yeah. convertible down in Miami. No and uh, it handles nice and it looks cool, but it is so unpractical. Like where you put your armrest is where your cup holders are. So if you have cups, you have no armrest. It has like normally like in the center dash where you'd like put a key or something like that. There's like this lip. So like the key will like slide underneath there, but you can't actually get it out. It's totally unpractical. The like the door it has like a lip, like maybe like this high. And for those of you that are listening, we're talking like a quarter of an inch. And then it like goes way back and think it's so impractical. And I got so mad driving it because every time I would like want to do anything, I just throw it at Leah and I'd be like, here, hold this because I couldn't do it. And then the, the freaking, uh, the rear view mirror or whatever, like that was, that was okay. But I can't remember there was a problem with that too, but I don't know. Overall, it, like it wasn't a great experience. And while I'll definitely like have it on a vacation because it's a nice like vacation car or whatever, you look cool, I would never buy one. Not at least not that model. That being said, and I hate Ford Mustangs, okay? I'm not a Mustang guy. The new 2019 Ford Mustang convertible that I drove was sick. Way better. Way <sighs> better. So for all you Chevy fans out there, I'm a diehard Chevy fan. I never thought I would ever rate a Ford car higher than a Chevy car. From a functionality perspective only, yeah, I liked the Ford Mustang better. Oh man, so. killing my dreams here, Josh. Killing but, my hey, co- listen, I'm gonna get the. By the way, speaking of sports cars, really quick, I've always wanted a Lamborghini my whole life. Mm-hmm. I finally found a car that came out that I would take over a Lamborghini, and I never thought that would be a thing. What is it? Have you seen the new 2020 Corvette? No, I have not, dude. It has a a, a center engine. Um. Yeah, they put the engine in the what the freaks it called? They took the engine out of the front and they put it in the back, so it's a oh, um, a mid uh, mid range engine. So it's Ooh. just like a thing, and they're like rivaling freaking European cars, dude. American Muscle's back. It's sick and it's reasonably priced. It's like eighty grand or something like that. It's sick, dude. It literally looks like I can't podcast people. I'm sharing my screen here. Josh, the screen for, sharing right for, now. For, for those of you, no, I, I am, I am, I am. Corvette. Go to his YouTube channel right Cor- this second. Yeah, Corvette uh, 2020. This thing is just, yes. Oh my gosh. All right, hold on. Let me share my screen here. See, this is the thing. Like, I don't like super inherently care about cars. I don't drive that much anymore. I used to. I'm a, I'm rocking a minivan right now and a hail damaged car, man. Mm. 
Bro, that's I'm, that's a Corvette, bro. Oh my goodness, look at that. Oh. That's a freaking Corvette. Oh, look at that. Like what? That is actually really good looking. Right? It looks like a freaking supercar. It does. <laughs> Dang. You said 80K? Uh, I, I, hold on. 2020 price. Let's see. Uh, this. Well, Google searches on a podcast. This has to be hey, a first. Dude, it starts at 60,000. Oh, it starts. Cool. I mean, obviously, you can upgrade with everything or whatever. But isn't it nuts? Dude, they sell them on eBay. Look at that. I love eBay, by the way, for computers. For computers and phones, I buy them all on eBay. It's the best best thing ever. So really? that totally, totally random aside. Computers and phones. I have like a, I have like a $3,000 supercomputer laptop for $800. It's amazing. Wow. Anyway. That's pretty cool. Other than the fact that it's not an Apple. So therefore, Dude, irrelevant. you don't want to get in that dispute. <laughs> but, all right. Another podcast right? episode. From all the right. guy talking about functionality and now talking, oh my goodness. Apple has the best functionality ever. What are you talking about? Dude. iPhone, the iPhone ecosystem cannot oh. be matched. Oh my goodness. Another podcast episode, Josh. Another you podcast. Have to admit, versus, Alex, you Apple have to admit. Versus, you have to Apple admit versus. the ecosystem between iTunes and the cloud and the phone and iMessage and everything with it. Even Sam Ovens. So Sam Ovens, I don't know if you saw this. He totally went wacko and like did like everything opposite of what he was yeah, doing. No. So he switched from iPhone to Android. Even he says iPhone is the superior phone. <sighs> I have so many feelings on that, but I'm going to hold them in. Right now. All right. All right. All right. La last or two more questions, then we'll get to the last one. Um, coolest life experience that you've got to do? Oh, man. Coolest life experience. Dude. Oh, I delivered my first child, which was really cool. Like, wow. Dude, the like catching of a baby and like, oh, look at you. You're alive. That like was a home wild. birth? No, not a home birth. No. no. So I mean, I was an EMT for a while. I was trained as an EMT. Also didn't use that certification. Funny story. Um, but I did deliver my baby with that. Like we were in the hospital, right? And the doctor comes in. I'm like, hey, actually, because I'd been trained on this, right? Like actually, could, could I deliver the child? And they were like, yeah, yeah go for it. That was, that was pretty wild. Like, wow. Ah, the, the, that first moment of like first holding your child when they like literally are taking their first breath, that was pretty wild. That's insane. Huh. Cool stuff. Uh, biggest life regret. <laughs> Let's not talk about school. Um, <laughs> you just <laughs> you don't regret that. So don't go back on your work. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really don't. I wish that I would have figured out what I wanted earlier. I really do. I've spent a lot of time in school and other like I took four years for undergrad and then three years in the doctoral program. So I spent a lot of time in school, man. I wish I would have figured all this out a lot earlier. Mm. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Especially, I, yeah. But you're still 31, dude. You got plenty of time. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I'm, I'm pretty young, all things considered. You might as well be 30 and a doctor, right? So, but like, I wish that I would have stumbled on Pat Flynn's blog like 10 years ago. Yeah. But I don't think he existed then. Well, listen, all you people listening, um, he just said that was one of his biggest regrets. Therefore, everybody should go share this episode so that everybody can find and think different theory and change their life so they don't have to have regrets like Alex. No, I'm just kidding. But for real. Um, <laughs> oh, dagger to the heart. <laughs> All right. Last question for you. I know you know it's coming. Um, it's a question that we ask every person that comes on the podcast. Fast forward to the end of your life, you're on your deathbed and uh, everything that you've done in your life is Thanos snapped away from existence. It is gone. But every single person that you've touched and influenced, either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message, one piece of wisdom or word of advice that will stick with them. What is that message? 
I think that message is that, dude, I, I by the way, I had to go back. I cheated because I didn't know that you were going to ask this. I looked back at my old podcast because I remember having an episode and it was literally this question, like, what would I do? Wow. What's my last message on earth? And so I actually went and listened to the you episode. Came prepared. Like, well, dude, I was super curious. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. This is so, this is such a cop out answer. But when I went back and listened, I was like, no, that's it, man. That's absolutely it. I really, truly feel like what has most defined me in my life is positivity, despite circumstance. Not that I've had terrible circumstance, but I feel like whatever's going on in your life, you always have the choice of how you're going to respond to it and how you're going to treat other people. And I am such a firm believer in positivity leading towards what you ultimately want. Like that, That's why I say like go after what you want and be positive about the fact that you're going to be able to get it. And that's, I guess, would be my last message. Like really, truly identify what's important to you in your life. Realize why you're doing what you're doing and what you ultimately want and be positive with yourself that you can go after it and you can achieve it. Yeah. Hmm. That's super powerful. I think more people need to realize that you do control your responses and positivity always wins. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk got that one right. Positivity always does win. So Alex, this has been an almost two hour, hour and 45 minute episode. I love it. Uh, I told you guys, this was uh, one of the episodes I was most excited for. Alex has been someone that has played such a huge role in my life as well. I mean, I know, you know, vice versa as well, but like, um, I've learned a lot from watching you and what you've done as well and following your journey and, um, you know, sticking to your morals and sticking to what it is that you've done. So I, I appreciate you not only as a human, but also as a friend. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Absolute, absolute pleasure. So fun to do a podcast switch two years later. Boom. That's right. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, man, if they want to hit me up in our Facebook group, if you're a healthcare provider, that's probably the best place to go. Or if you're like, we're starting to finally let some non-healthcare providers in because people are like, what are you doing? How is it that you're doing this? Yeah. I always forget that I get to be a cool person and not be a healthcare provider and be in that We only group. have like two marketers in our group. Josh is one of them. But no, our Facebook group is called Healthcare Digital Marketing. Uh, we we, we kind of don't let everyone else in, which is why it's such a good group. But Healthcare Digital Marketing on Facebook, uh, I mentioned the travel hacking stuff. That's kind of a side hustle project that I just love. I do a lot of travel hacking with my own family. We're going to Disneyland next month, dude. Yeah, oh, that'll be super fun. I know. Uh, gotherefree.com. Then go check that out. Gotherefree.com. Gotherefree. We didn't even get to talk about that, but it'll be super, super good. And we have to, I have to hit you up about that. I'll text you afterwards. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We'll talk. All right, guys. This has been the incredible Dr. Alex Engar, who's a scam artist because he's not really a doctor anymore, but he's got the title. So that's all that matters in today's world. Uh, play in the system. Guys, this has been Dr. Alex Engar, a dear friend of mine and an amazing human being. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones to change the world, even if that world is just your own. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on that you like my stuff and that I'm 
I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh Forty or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.